0: All right, let's get started today. Welcome, everybody. Today we're going to be studying about Lesson 3, entitled, The Fall into Sin. So let's just pray before we begin. Thank you, Lord, again, for the opportunity to study your word and to understand about the beginning of um, all these lies that were told about you. We pray that we will understand it more fully. Understand you more fully today. Come into our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, the fall into sin. What do you think about that word, the fall into sin? What does that imply? Falling. Fall into sin.
1: Accidental. Oops.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe. Is it, uh, what? Painful. 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 So it's not going up, it's going down. What about the evolution theory? The evolution theory has us as human beings going up, right? What do you think about that difference there? Yeah,
2: we start from man and go to Mm Mhm.
0: Okay, so we come out of darkness and myrrh and mud and become a single cell and then double cells and then eventually we become man in the theory of evolution and uh, we become we get a higher level of physiology a higher level of intellect a higher le- level of just the way of being and then uh way back hundreds and thousands of years ago we were cavemen and we just went on our instincts and uh now we're much more sophisticated in the way that we're thinking. But this theory of creation and how sin came into being is kind of the opposite. So now we're, we were created in the image of who? God. And then we fell. Okay. I like that idea that it was accidental. But it wasn't really accidental, was it? It was all very well connived by someone who, in the presence of God, actually um, started to think in a selfish way. Isn't that amazing? Again, we talked about that last week, and that just amazes me that right there in the presence of God, he started to think selfishly like he wanted to be like God. So what theory to you makes more sense? of course i'm speaking to the choir (laughs) um but do you know can you yourself um help somebody who really does believe in the theory of evolution can you help them understand that we were created in the image of god is that a, a difficult way to do it i mean is it hard is it hard to convince someone I think it is, don't you? Yes. If they believe in the theory of evolution, if they believe that's where we came from, it's very difficult. If they don't believe in the Bible and the Bible premises, it's very difficult. All right, um, let's move on. Open Saturday's lessons to paragraph two. If someone would read paragraph two.
1: Though much is not revealed about the fall in Eden, we have enough biblical information to understand that something happened that damaged not only human nature, but even the planet itself. The result of that fall is not encouraging. In fact, it would be all but hopeless were it not for the promise of the atonement in our behalf through Christ. Yet, we still need to see what has happened to us because only when we see ourselves as we really are will the glory of the cross reach us in its saving beauty and power.
0: Okay, very good paragraph, but we have this little liturgy here, the promise of the atonement. Everything would be hopeless except for the promise of atonement. What does the promise of atonement mean? We want to keep asking us, you know, when we use all this liturgy and, and uh, phraseology, what does that mean? What is the promise of atonement, if it weren't but for the atonement? Okay. What does atonement mean?
3: Restoration.
0: A restoration. Okay, I like that. What else? A
3: reconciliation.
0: Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Or at one minute, if we break that word down, at-one-ment, if we can think of it instead, and you know, used to think atonement, oh, that means the death of Jesus and blah, blah, blah. It really means he wants to be one with us. He wants to be reconciled. He wants, to be, he wants us to be restored in his image, just like he created us. He wants us to be just like him. So Sunday's lesson, we talk about the rebellion in the garden. And in Genesis one through three is the story of the creation and then how um Eve <coughs> wandered away and and then took the fruit and um and Adam did likewise. And uh the lesson seems to imply that this is a rebellion. Do you think that Adam and Eve knew they were rebelling? No. What what uh so it's really hard for me to make that big jump for uh, from here they were in this perfect state in this perfect garden and now they rebelled they were deceived. Okay. So I like that story a little bit better because here we have somebody who knew what God was like and yet was saying I uh I uh, don't believe that's the way God is. And so He was telling them a lie about what God was all about. So I I find it a big jump to say that Adam and Eve were rebelling. And yet, um, in Desire of Ages, she talks about that in heaven itself, this law. I'm just going to quote here, uh, Desire of Ages, page 22. In heaven itself, this law, she had talked about the law of giving, the law of beneficence, was broken. Sin originated in self-seeking. Lucifer, the covering cherub, desired to be first in heaven. He sought to gain control of the heavenly beings, to draw them away from their creator, and to win their homage to himself. Therefore, he misrepresented God, attributing to him the desire for self-exaltation. With his own evil characteristics, he sought to invest the loving creator. Thus, he deceived the angels, and thus he deceived man. He led them to doubt the word of God and to distrust his goodness because God is a God of justice and terrible majesty. And again, remember, this is Satan saying this about God, that he's a God of justice and terrible majesty. Satan caused them to look upon him as severe and unforgiving Thus he drew men to join him in rebellion against God, and the night of woe settled down upon the earth. And so she uses this word rebellion, but I don't think that they actually thought they were rebelling. Again, they were deceived. Yes? Isn't
4: there a difference uh, between how Eve responded uh, versus Adam? Uh, Yeah. Eve uh, was deceived, but Adam was not.
0: Adam was not. He knew full well what he was doing, and because of the love for his wife, he went ahead and did what he Knew was wrong. Yeah. So
4: even though they didn't have the word rebellion because it hadn't really existed, it hadn't, hadn't fermented to the level that we understand. Right. It was still a sense that he was going against intellectually, understanding what was going on, versus Eve, who was deceived and really quite grasped what was going on.
0: Exactly.
1: How is that? <laughs> Another being, and she just didn't get it. She made a choice. It's like, I was saying that somewhat facetiously, that the fall makes it sound like an accident, like oops. She made a choice. She knew, she she misunderstood, or she, I mean, I guess the deceit. She made the choice to go to the tree to begin with. Right At that point, yes, she was in the power of a superior mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that between her and Adam, there was so much of a difference. I mean, definitely it was, you know... There was time on Adam's side. It wasn't like he was under that um, strong evil.
0: He wasn't under the duress of hearing the, the deceitful lies.
1: He mm-hmm. was more probably bubbling with all of her newfound knowledge. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess I, I don't like the deceit part, although I do think there's an aspect of that. Before the deceit happened, she made a choice to enter into a zone that she knew was not a place to be.
5: Right. Does that, does that mean she was already thinking some thoughts? Do,
1: do well, was she curious? Possibly. Yeah, she sure was. But
0: that was not that was not her downfall. There, no, it was just it, it puts it, you into a place. Exactly. Where you have to be
1: that much stronger, and maybe God knew that they weren't that capable to, because he knew the power of the...
0: Well, he had already warned them not even to go near the tree. Yeah,
4: I think that's the issue there is, when you, if Adam had been in Eve's place and gone to the tree, he would also have been deceived. But the, Ellen White tells us fairly clearly, that the idea of leaving Adam's side was in itself movement towards sin. So mm-hmm. there was different levels of the stage of temptation. But Adam, if he had gone to the tree, he would also have been deceived, just like we are, when Satan... Dialogues with us, if we engage in dialogue. We, say, we can deceived just as easily.
0: Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. And I don't think we're trying to make a distinction that that Eve was a lesser being here. But I think she makes it sound like she was so
1: wimpy and so you know.
0: Yeah, but she she was under the uh, the power, the guise of someone who was quite deceitful and already very cunning in that. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you think that, that in sin that there's there are times when we sin when we fully well, fully
6: understand the consequences and times when we sin when we don't fully understand the consequences? Just for an illustration, you tell your pre-two to stay out of the street. The pre-two knows that if he goes in the street, he's going to get a spanking. He doesn't know he's going to get killed by a car. Right. So that that disobedience is rebellion against the mother. It's not... You know, it's a it's a kind of a lesser kind of a disobedience than when you understand that if I, like one of the boys in my academy, if I walk in, out in the street, I'm going to get killed.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And the same thing with a teenager. Uh, if a teenager wants to be with their boyfriend and they're like, don't they don't understand the implications of just being alone with that boyfriend can lead to, you know, when they're only 14 or 15 or something like that. Uh, whereas hopefully somebody in their twenties can understand that a little bit more, um, carefully. But yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's a leading t- to that sin.
2: And chronologically, how old were Adam and Eve in character?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they, we don't they, know.
2: They hadn't developed their character yet, and so they were still kind of adolescents in, in the knowledge and how to respond to that. Well,
6: and they had no examples. Like if you know somebody invited you to you know shoot up heroin and you knew absolutely nothing about it, mm-hmm. that would be different than if you had been and seen a whole bunch of addicts. Right. And really knew what you were getting into. You know?
0: Right, Question. right, exactly. So um, so that comes to the question, why did um, God even put the tree in the garden? Was he testing them? Mm. <laughs> so
5: they could build that character. That was one, one avenue to do that. Plus, Satan had some right to be present there.
0: Okay. Expand on that a little bit more, that well, Satan had the right.
5: Well, I don't know that I can give all the answers, but that's
0: my, that's my understanding, is that
5: after the war in heaven, some of the implications of that gave him some opportunity to be on this planet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
5: I wonder,
3: too, if God had excluded the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then in front of the universe Satan could have said, see, you're not fair. You didn't give... You you withheld something, you you hid that from them, you protected them. And then we wouldn't be able to choose God with a free choice. We wouldn't be able to clearly discern, this is evil, I don't want to go there, this is God Almighty, Uh which is complete perfection and goodness, and I want to choose Him, because Satan is the author of evil. I don't want to choose Him. If we didn't have it that, that weren't present on this planet, then... Satan could Satan would have made his case in front of the universe. God, you can't trust him. If he doesn't like something, he's going to
0: withhold it from you. Right. Exactly. So, um, being that Satan had already uh made his decision to become more selfish and, and exalt himself as a god, he had to allow uh his new creation. God had to allow his new creation to to be um to be able to be free to make that decision and that was part of the freedom. And, uh, yeah.
2: What about a tree up in heaven? The other okay, angels.
0: Okay, will we need the tree in heaven? Well, are you talking about at the end of time after? No, I'm talking about before. Okay. Before
3: the fall, before Satan.
0: Why wasn't there some kind of was there a tree
3: there.
2: So if there wasn't one, why do we There was wo-
0: Satan to tempt them.
2: Well, before Satan fell,
0: what? They didn't need one at that point because there hadn't been any sin.
3: So they weren't as free?
5: The concept didn't exist.
0: Yeah, the concept of sin or selfishness or self-exaltation had not even existed as of yet. And so there was no, everyone was in harmony, she says. Everyone was in harmony up in heaven. They all believed the same, that that God was, the creator God was. So
2: they were more free or less free? Well, what do you think? <laughs> they were the same, they had the same freedom, it's just that Satan called that into question. It, and so God had to make a, a, a demonstration to the universe that, yeah, I do mm-hmm. I, I do promote mm-hmm. freedom of choice. And here's the proof. Here's the truth. Will they choose me or will they not? I think White says also that oh. that was the only place in Eden that Satan was allowed to interact
0: with. Mm-hmm. Right. But let's go back to the heaven idea. We still... And, and last week we talked a little bit about this. We still cannot figure out or even understand why sin or the thoughts of sin even came into, into Satan's mind or the thoughts of selfishness, I mean, in the very presence of God. Did you have a comment? say It seems like,
4: if I, understand, if I remember correctly, um, Satan had opportunity of testing, if you want to use that phrase, everybody in the universe. He, he was able to take a portion of, the, of heaven already, the angels. So he tested heaven. Uh, I understand that he was also able to, to travel to other worlds and to talk to, to them, but it was only the Garden of Eden that we actually had the physical uh, presence of a, a tree. So Satan had an opportunity to, to challenge God at every level and every part of the universe. But I'm not sure exactly. We are not told, and I think it would be maybe a little dangerous to speculate when we're not given the full picture why the earth ultimately (laughs) ended up having just the tree.
0: Well, um, again, now I'd have to look this up, but it's it's my understanding that he was confined to this universe, the one that was just newly created, because that's what was so important to him that he wasn't part of the planning of that.
4: That's not what I understand. We would see in Job when all the sons Mm -hmm. of God were gathered together, he was able to uh, move Mm -hmm. around, as I understand it.
0: Yeah, that's true.
6: There's a place somewhere, oh dear, <laughs> about trees in other
0: worlds. It's Ellen White. Yeah, but I don't know where. Hmm, I'd have to
1: look that way. rather than look at that as being a right that Satan had, I, I'd rather look at it. What does it say about God that he allowed that? In fact, that he designed it that way, because I think that he did. He was aware of the theater of the universe, that there would be other onlooking universes who would love to see how was this handled. So, I don't know that I actually think about it as being a right that um, Satan had, but more I granted him. Maybe it
6: was more our right. We had the right to choose.
0: Let's talk a little bit about how um, God gives us that choice. Um, The choice was Adam and Eve's, and they preferred to believe the liar and disbelieve God. Uh, So, again, the fall wasn't as simple as just eating a piece of fruit. Um, And that often tends to be what we get out of this story is that they just ate this fruit, and that's the problem. But it was rather that they believed the lie, and therefore, what was broken? The trust to God was broken. And so then that relationship became more self-centered rather than God-centered, and love was destroyed when we separated from him, um, and this is where fear was born and so when God said to them, after they had eaten the fruit and they had uh, mistrusted him, then they said uh, then the story says in Genesis three, God says, "Where are you, Adam? Where are you?" And what did they do
5: Anything.
0: they hid and um when you think of a, an experience when you were afraid of some adult or if you're an adult and you were afraid of another adult, I can recall a time when I was playing with my friends and we happened to be climbing a cherry tree, loved to climb trees. And there were three or four of us and someone got out on the bow too far, on the bow too far and the bow broke. And, um, the grandfather came out. This was his prized cherry tree, and he was very, very, very angry. And, of course, we all ran and scattered. And uh, when I ran home, um, I met my dad at the door. Already the grandfather had called my dad. And so I don't remember if I'm the one that broke the tree or not, but I remember being so afraid what was going to happen now. Had God done anything to Adam and Eve to make them... Fearful, so the first person in on this earth to be afraid of was God. Isn't that amazing? And he hadn't done anything
2: because of the lie, right? Satan said, "You know, if you don't do this, then God will get you, or something."
0: Right. So even though he hadn't done anything, he had been lied about, and so therefore um, they had already started to mistrust him, and then started to fear him so um what do you think that did to the heart of god
6: I um, do you think that happens with people who are doing things that they know are wrong and then they feel that everybody's real critical of them and maybe everybody's not real critical of them i mean mm-hmm. I, i've i've observed that well it's the guilt. they have the
0: fear and the guilt yeah they don't, they don't want to go to
6: church because they don't want to go to visit their family or something because they feel that everybody's going to be so critical and really nobody is
0: mm-hmm well, I can't say nobody. Well, you situation,
6: I'm thinking <laughs> <Probably not>. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Right. We're only afraid of God if we don't really know him or don't understand him or don't know what his intentions are.
1: Or like, if you'd heard that story about the man who owned the tree, and you'd heard that he was a really nice man and that, you know, he gave you candy or he was Santa Claus or whatever... And you broke the bow. It might have been a possibility that you went and tapped on his door and looked at him and said, "I'm so sorry, but I broke your tree." Would have changed the whole thing. Um, but if you've been, if you've never met him and you taught, were taught that he was, you know, really angry and he had a shotgun and he hates mm-hmm. kids, no wonder you're going to run. Mm-hmm. And so the fear is well placed. But. The man is no different. He is whatever he is. He, he was whoever he was. Mm-hmm. Same thing with God. He is who he is. Mm-hmm. But they believed the lie. They believed that he was holding out on them, that right. he had had something, a gift that he wanted only for himself. And so once you start thinking, well, if that's true, then maybe other things are possible. And maybe we do have reason to fear.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So... Um The fall of Adam was not over which fruit they ate. Rather, it was the choice on whom they believed. Believing the devil, they consigned themselves to this perverted picture and suffered the inevitable consequences. They feared their father who had created them and ran to hide from this terrible God because now they believed the lie. Um, It's interesting then later, so God says... um, To claim that the devil is wrong was not enough for God. And, uh, you know, that idea when when you went to um, school, elementary school, you always had something to show and to tell about. God is somebody who had to show, not necessarily just tell. So he can't just tell his creatures, look, I'm loving. I am am like, you know, I really am um, very forgiving and merciful and loving he had to actually show what he was like and in and how did he do that what was his showing
1: creation
0: the creation and then from there what else how did he show he came to this earth as a baby didn't he and he showed us how to live he showed us what it was like to live um amongst sin he sh- and then he took it to the very very end by allowing his creatures to kill him so it was not just i'm going to tell you what i'm like i'm going to show you what i'm like uh, in monday's lesson it talks about the slaves to sin what happens when we sin somebody read romans six sixteen.
3: Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness?
0: Okay, so um, it's interesting that uh, in my version also it shares that you can be a slave to either one. What does that actually mean? How would you describe that slavery? If you were a slave to sin, how would you describe that slavery? Does it have to do with harmony and happiness? Or rather separation and shame and fear, misery and death. But if you are a slave to God and his principles, then you have intimacy, harmony, happiness, abundance, joyful life, all of those things, all the time. Not necessarily. It doesn't mean that that's what he promises all the time because we're living in the sinful world, right? And then later on in uh, Monday's lesson, he gives us the verses Romans three nineteen through 18. And basically that is the uh, situation of the human race, that no one is righteous, no, not one. It explains that all in those uh, verses there, that all of us are sinful. When uh, the serpent decided to tell the lie, was he speaking some of it was truth? I think we have to see that some of it was true. He said, you're going to know all about evil and good. Was that true? Yes. Yeah, that part was true. But his real lie was the truth about God. You will not surely die. And indeed they didn't. But for those who believe God punishes sin with this imposed penalty of you will die if you sin The fact that Adam did not die immediately contradicts such a belief, don't you think? Does it? If you believe God punishes with this imposed penalty, if you sin, you will die, the fact that Adam and Eve did not die at that time, does that give you, does that contradict that belief? The fruit wasn't toxic, was it? Didn't make them fall dead, nor did God come and use his sword on them. Was the penalty intrinsic or extrinsic? Did they die right away, or was it an intrinsic kind of penalty?
2: I think I've heard some translate that phrase as dying you shall die, something like that. So it was like a, like a progressive kind of death. If okay. you were going to starve dying, rather than an instant penalty of death.
0: Mm-hmm. And But why is that progressive then? Think about that. Is that a... Why is that death progressive? Instead of instant. Like a sword doesn't come down and get you. and That doesn't just um, kill you right away. That fruit didn't kill you. If it had killed him instantly,
6: there would have been fear in all the
5: angels and stuff. It's like, oh, he says this is going to happen. Okay. And it would make everyone more fearful of God. I don't think it would have caused them to see his love.
0: All right. So... Sin had to play itself out and to see what exactly was happening um, to that person when that sin was played out. And so immediately, instead of him being killed then, or Adam and Eve being killed, then they watched, the angels up above were watching. How is this playing out? So now all of a sudden, they're afraid of God, the ever-loving God that they're living with. They're... Um, He's afraid, um, and then that leads to more lies because then Adam and Eve had to lie to one another and to God as well, uh, and then blaming as well.
3: It strikes me if sin, if, if, the, if the consequences of sin is an instant death, how could we have a life in which to learn about God and to choose him?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good point too. Yeah, I think that's really good. So... Um, Does this make it It shows God's love because it could have been instant death, but He loved us enough to let us continue to live so we could then have a choice again: Do we want to love God or do we want to follow? Okay, that's also a good point. Does this make you think? Yes, Brian. You know,
3: God saying if you eat the fruit, you will die, was not God saying if you eat it, I'm going to kill you. God was saying, unfortunately, if you do that. That's what will happen to you. Mm-hmm. You will die from it. I'm not going to kill you, mm-hmm. but you will die. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things that died other than physical death. You know, The Garden of Eden died.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Their relationship with God died. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. Yeah. And so does this remind you of another time that's going to be happening in the future as well? When they hid and they s- stood in the bushes, what's going to happen at the end of time as well? They're going, They're going to run and hide. Exactly. God
5: already have a plan to redeem them even prior to creation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that was going to happen, and he'd already made a plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is uh, hardly... It's, it's inconceivable to, for me to keep thinking that he would still create the beings that he did knowing what he was going to do anyway. Uh, because of what we decided. That's just really amazing to me. So um, God said that sin would lead to death. And in, so this really wasn't a result of his command. They didn't start fearing him because of his command, but rather simply that's what happens when you sin, when you choose to believe the lie that God is not trustworthy. So this tragedy of the fall has led to many ideas about what went wrong. To some, this is um, this is God being picky or even spiteful, setting up Adam and Eve with the expectation that they would fail. Some medieval theologians considered the fall from grace as something positive or a happy sin. Have you heard this before? Because then it allowed God to demonstrate how much he loves us, um, to show his grace, which would not have been possible if he had not sinned. And others have questioned the justice of God in creating beings liable to sin and then punishing them for having these faults. Some believe that the fall teaches the doctrine of original sin, which makes every human being liable for the sins of his first parents, a punishment visited by God on all generations, which hardly makes him out to be a God of justice. So isn't it interesting that the devil should so want to confuse humanity about the fall and its consequences. Every image of God noted in the previous descriptions paints God in an unpleasant light. Either he doesn't exist, he doesn't care, he doesn't act justly, he doesn't demonstrate grace, or does he, he doesn't really truly love us. So there's a lot of confusion about about this sin thing and what actually does it mean when he says you will surely die. It's really a progressive thing that happens as we separate ourselves from God.
2: We had Adam and Eve sin, So why did God allow Adam and Eve to have children populate the earth? And why couldn't he just deal with it? Just,
0: just be with the two of them?
2: Uh, they, they messed up, so why push this on everybody else?
0: Okay, what do you all think? Should he just have uh, uh, stopped their um, reproductive system?
7: I would have been too controlling. I, mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone to prove that. I mean, that he really is a god of free choice. You know,
0: it wasn't God's character to do that, was it? He'd already given them the ability to create themselves, and um, and if they, had, let's say, he had s- just stopped the ability for Adam to create semen or uh, or you know, little or had stopped up her ovaries or plugged up the fallopian tubes, what could Satan have said about him?
7: he wasn't
3: allowing
0: Right. <clears throat> no, not choice. Create some more people then. <laughs> right. Okay. And you may, I, didn't,
3: I didn't quite catch whether you said this or not, but when, in, in Genesis 1, where he talks about creating people, he, or what he said to creation was, be fruitful and multiply. So right. when, and when he created, he created us to be fruitful mm-hmm. and multiply. And had he stopped it, he would have gone against what mm-hmm. he had created.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
7: I think that um, Adam and Eve were converted after their fall. And, um, you know, they, I, I believe they served the Lord with all their heart until they died. But it's taken all this time for us to see the true consequences of sin. I mean, right now we can see that we'd actually go extinct if God didn't come back. I mean, the earth is past the point of no return. And I think God wanted the whole universe to see that, that we had self-destruct mm. from our own sin.
0: Well, they were close to the flood, weren't they? They were close to that within a thousand years, correct?
7: But even physically, we can't go on much longer. We're, you know, fertility is going down 1% every year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of getting better, right? Yeah. Yeah, who had a comment? if he had, um, at the flood,
5: if he hadn't put everyone to sleep except for Noah and his family, there wouldn't
0: have been an avenue for Jesus to come. Exactly. So if we look at it more that way, rather than God destroying the whole universe, it was more of a merciful act, Right. Tuesday's lesson talks about spiritual death and the first paragraph there, the third, I think it's the third sentence, it says humans know that there is something wrong with them and they wish for something better. I'm not so sure I believe that because I live in a world where humans think that they are quite something that they have a lot of knowledge and that they can, are good people, and uh, so, and I'm not talking necessarily about Christians, but even us as Christians sometimes think that we're pretty darn good. We've been educated, by the way, we know what is good and what's good for us, and uh, we know how to socially change the world, and I mean, we're seeing that uh, in even the debates this week, you know, I have a better plan and than you do, and, and no, you don't, and yes, I do, and... That kind of thing. So, I thought it kind of interesting that they said in this lesson that humans, they know what's wrong and they want something better. And I don't know that we actively seek, um, the good all the time. Uh, I think almost everybody would deny that they, that we seek, uh, that we actively seek evil. I think we would deny that. The commonest view I meet is one that goes like this. Well, I, I may not be a saint, but I, I, I try to do good. I am I'm, I'm not really that bad. I I I try to help people the best that I can, and of course, you have to look after yourself but but if I if I can do something to benefit my fellow land, I, I, I will. That's all that's all a Christian is anyway, don't you think? A good member of the community, a nice person? Don't we think that way sometimes? But the Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. For if we say we've not sinned, we deceive ourselves. That's in, in Romans. There is no one who does not sin. And again, we go back to that Romans 3. So this is one of the devil's delusions, I think, is that we're okay. Uh, you remember that book back in the 70s, I think it was, I'm okay, you're okay. We can make ourselves good. We inherently have something within us that makes ourselves good. It's the worst state to find ourselves in, to think that you're fine when you're not. And perhaps that's why God spends so much time in the Bible reminding us what we really are, that we're poor, that we're wicked, that we're sinful, that our hearts turn immediately towards evil. And maybe we're not out there killing people and stealing things, but we're breaking relationships We're not trusting people. Um, Even Paul called himself the chief of sinners, Um, trying to be the good old boy, trying to do things that were good. Um, So what do you think about this idea? Am I far off base? I think
8: that a lot of humans know that something is wrong, but they venue the trying to correct it and like maybe trying to be smarter, trying to work out more, trying to exalt themselves in a different way. They're not channeling it towards void in my life is God, but I think most humans know there is a void. I just think that maybe a lot
6: of them don't know that it's a God void.
0: Okay, I think, I think that's uh, pretty clear.
6: Everybody's striving for more. They want something more. They don't know what that more is,
0: mm-hmm.
6: fame or fortune or power or money or a bigger house or whatever it is, but they're never satisfied. We're, we always want more.
0: Right, exactly. But our
2: more is self-centered more. Mm-hmm. God's more is doing for others. Right. He's mm-hmm. always, always creating.
0: And I think that's where we go wrong because it's like this uh, void that we're always looking for.
6: Satan's problem—he wanted more. He wasn't satisfied with what
0: he had. Mm-hmm. He wanted
7: more. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be God. Mm-hmm. Very good. I don't know if this is far off base or not, but just something I wanted to point out is—I don't know—a lot of times I think people are, want to be quote good Christians for because I want to go to heaven or whatever. What happened to just being good for the sake of being good, or being good to others, just for the sake of being good to others, not for yourself, not for your own personal? Right. Salvation or whatever, but I think that's a focus that's lost a lot of time. I don't
0: Instead so of looking for the reward,
7: yeah, you're just you're just looking. Oh, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to be nice to others. No, you need to be nice to others for the sake
0: of being nice to others. Right, but in so doing, when we are looking towards the reward, then we are again being selfish. Right.
7: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a, a roundabout way of go, getting there same thing. And when we get to the
5: point where we understand that there's nothing we can, none of those good deeds have anything to do with us earning that reward, mm-hmm. then we're free to just be part of God's kingdom and do those things because it, it makes us happier. It, it's the, God's way is the best way. Mm-hmm. And then you'd get rid of that whole earning thing. And it's mm-hmm. just
0: freedom. What if there wasn't a heaven? How would you live Right now, would you be a giving person or a selfish person? If there wasn't that reward in the end. It's yeah. a good way of um, asking yourself the question. Would you still, if you knew there wasn't anything except just uh, being good for the right reasons? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I'm not so sure. Sometimes I think we think of heaven as um, being able to play on the sea of glass. and. Um, riding the camels and giraffes and so forth but it's not that so much that we want it's being in the presence of god being in a relationship with Him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can
6: have that relationship now even if you had to end it
0: at say the cross or mm-hmm. the grave and i think the yeah and i think the the closest thing we can get to that is um when we fall in love with someone and we want to get married and we want to spend eternity with them um, it's sort of like that same feeling I uh, that desire to to be with someone all the time and so you want to please them all the time and then when we get caught up after the marriage and in in all the tasks of daily living we get away from that relationship oftentimes and we forget why we loved in the first place and so sometimes that's way where we can come back to being Christians for oh well I just have to stay married or I just have to you know, someday I'll be able to have my 50th wedding anniversary. It's sort of like that reward. I'll just stay with them and, so that I have that reward in the end. But really, it's that relationship we need to keep um, at all times.
2: And TED Talk's about this too earlier. talking talking about our purpose should be vindicating God on this earth, not getting to heaven.
0: So we're showing other people around us what God is really, really like. And
7: because it's his
0: yeah, his it's his judgment in the end, isn't it? It's what what's he all about? And that's what it all started with when we started our lesson an hour, almost an hour ago, is what was it um, about that sin thing? What was it that Satan did in the very beginning? He started to mistrust God that he was actually the person that would bring all happiness. He wanted to be that person, so he wanted to exalt himself. And so again, it's that relationship, it's that trust in someone that is uh, all-knowing and knows us better than anyone. All right, Thursday's lesson was kind of interesting. Let's move on to that because I want to make sure that we have time for that. And uh, I would have to disagree with just about everything that was said in Thursday's lesson. The first question was how did the Lord approach Adam and Eve after they had sinned and what was the purpose of the questions he asked them? And basically what the lesson author is saying is that um, he wanted to make sure that they they were guilty and that that they knew they had rebelled and, and so forth. And I'm not so sure that was the idea. So again, if we're talking about... Um, God coming down and asking them questions. Why do you think God asked the question, Adam, where are you?
2: I like to think of him asking, not where are you at physically, but where where is your heart? Where are you at?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, did you learn something?
0: Yeah. It wasn't necessarily um, asking him, uh, had he ever had to come down and ask them before? Where are you? No, they had readily run to him or been right there waiting for him. And so now it was, where are you? And um, I find that kind of interesting that then he said here that the through a process of judgment in which questions were asked and answers given, God was leading them to recognize that they were indeed guilty and that their rebellion was unjustified. Then it goes on to ask about God's wrath and talk about God's wrath. So again, what is God's wrath? What is it that... Um, is he angry? Can we, can we suppose that it is like human wrath where we get angry at somebody and therefore we want to just about, you know, I can remember my teenager having his own car and he was supposed to be home at midnight. And of course he didn't come home at midnight and he knew what the implications were when he didn't come home at midnight. And I I can remember thinking at one o'clock, where is he? This was before he had a cell phone and I could call him, you know, or something like that. And he's, and I was getting more and more afraid when it was in the middle of the night and it was dark. And what do you think I was thinking? He was being wrapped around a telephone pole. He was being accosted by somebody. And I was thinking all these kinds of things, so I was afraid. But as soon as he came in in one piece in the door at 101, what happened to the fear? Man. Man. It became anger, right? Is that the way God is with us?
2: I, I wouldn't go I wouldn't so far. I mean, we're talking about does God have emotions? Sure, He created <clears throat> us with emotions. So, yeah, He does get angry. But why does He get angry? Okay. It's because uh, we've done something that has broken His heart. And it, like you, as a parent, were saying, uh, you become fearful of their well being. And I think God experienced all that, even more so. So He did become angry because, <laughs> you know, how do you how do you understand God? You know, it's one of those things. I mean, He does have emotion, but how does He express those emotions?
0: It's not the same type of anger that that we uh, experience.
2: It's not. It's not that God. Gets you for that you did wrong, so right. you have to be punished for what you right. did wrong. Right.
0: Right. So immediately, in my situation anyway, he was grounded, okay? My son was grounded. Okay, you can't go out for the next two weeks. But is God that way? Does he punish us and then he gives us arbitrary rules?
6: But did you stop loving him when you
0: were angry? No, of course not. The reason I was angry... ...rules because you wanted to protect him from the consequences mm-hmm. of what could happen if
5: he was out late because of the drunk drivers and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it was more of a... I love you so much, therefore I'm going... Set some limits, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you'll kill
2: yourself. Right. And and God did that to us. He changed the earth to produce thorns. Mm -hmm. Okay, he told us that our life be hard and, and full of toil. Right. Not as a punishment, but as a way to develop us to keep us remembering where we were at.
0: Right, exactly. But they're not all arbitrary laws either. No, no. Um, are any of them arbitrary? No. Are his rules arbitrary at all? No. Yes? I
7: think uh, one of the best uh, ways for me to understand how God feels is uh, when your mate leaves you to run off with a, a hooker or a playboy, <coughs> um, the anger you have is, is a righteous anger because you love them. You, the relationship is broken. It's, it's a healthy kind of anger. And your goal is to, if you really love them, you want them to be redeemed. You want their relationship to be restored. And that's God's goal with us.
0: Mm-hmm. But often in that scenario that you uh, gave us a picture of, uh, we then start to save ourselves by doing things that might uh, hurt the other person because now they've hurt us whereas God's anger is very much like the story of Hosea. You remember how Hosea married someone that was unfaithful already, but God said to do that. And then and then she ran off again, and God said, Bring her back, bring her back. It's amazing the kind of love that Hosea shared with her, isn't it? Uh, it's not what we usually think of when someone leaves their spouse, is it? So, um, again, in Hosea, I think it's a uh, chapter 11, God says, How can I give you up? How can I let you go? Oh, Ephraim, O oh, Ephraim. You can feel the desire to keep them. How can, I, how can I let you go?
6: If God already knew what was going to happen anyway, he already knew that was going to happen, or if you already knew that that would happen before you married that person, was he just doing, showing anger for our benefit or Adam and Eve's benefit? Because would he really be angry if he already knew that was going to happen?
0: I'm not sure I know what you're asking. Well,
6: if he already knew that they were going to sin, why would he come angrily looking for them? Was it angry? Was it angrily? I don't know. He's wrath. Mm-hmm. Was it for Adam and Eve's benefit to see that?
0: To see that this is what happens to our relationship, that you'll hide instead of come out and greet me? Right.
6: I don't think the relationship died necessarily. It changed.
0: Right. God. So God still loved them. Right. God still wanted them to be his friend. Uh, he still wanted to be um, partners with them. But did that questioning, is what you're asking, is did that questioning show Adam and Eve hey, this is what happened because um, you mistrusted me.
6: I'd like to comment on that questioning. Um, when I was teaching public high school, I went through um, some pretty extensive training, which um, is what the police department used to do before the Miranda Act. And the goal is to help the students see the irrational, <coughs> harmful nature of behavior. Mm-hmm. And you do that with a series of questions to show... The disconnect between what the student says he he needs to be, yeah, and what the behavior actually or the the words or whatever actually have been, and, and I think you know questions often can be very helpful to help someone self-examine. Mm-hmm. So I, I, especially as adults, yeah, okay. I understood the lesson to be talking about that self-examination that God is hoping
0: that Adam would become aware of. That that now they. Could understand that um, the relationship had been broken. Um, You and I are not the same anymore because now you know um, that the mistrust leads to this hiding um, and um, And fearfulness. Some
6: kind of insight into their almost instinctive behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does
0: that help? I think, yeah. Well, their behavior
6: was based on their fear instead of their love of God.
0: If they loved God still, they would have run to him, but now mm-hmm. they were afraid of Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, so uh, the definition of the wrath of God is found in Romans 1. Let's remind us about that. Romans 1, 18 through 28. Three times it tells us what the wrath of God is. Someone read those verses. For the wrath of
8: God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a te mind to do those things which were not convenient.
0: So three times it shares this is about the guilt of mankind, so the corruptness of our minds and our hearts. And in um, chapters, I mean in verses 24, 26 and 28, it tells us over and over again that God has given them over. God has given them up. God has let them do what they want to do. And that's what His wrath is. He's allowed them to do what they want to do. He says, how can I give you up in Hosea? He says here, I have, uh, I have to give you up because that is, that is what you've chosen. That's what I, um, I've given you that choice and now I have to uh, respect the choice that you have made. And so I've given you up. I've allowed you to do what you want to do. And, um, I think if we look at the wrath of God as that way, then we can see the consistency of God's character and the nature of God that he is wanting us so badly. And yet, he allows us to choose whatever it is that we want. And um, I praise God for that. And I think when I understood that that's the way God is, that he allows us to make that choice, that's when I became so happy in my in my spiritual walk because I understood that I didn't have to rebel anymore because that is my nature, is to rebel. I did it all throughout my teenage life. I did it through my adulthood as well. I want to rebel against whatever everybody else tells me is the right thing to do. But when I understood that God allows me to choose, He allows me to understand um, Him first, and um, know what his love is all about. And when he allows that freedom and he says, okay, now I will let you um, go and do whatever you want to do, but I'll be waiting here. I'll be sitting and waiting. I'm not going to... there are times that he pursues us, but most of the time he sits back and he waits, like the prodigal son's father waits. I often think that prodigal son's story should be about the waiting father. He sat and he waited. He didn't go out to see what that uh, son was doing and g- drag him from the streets. Uh, often that's what my father would do, is when I rebelled, he would go get me and grab me by the nape of my neck and take me back home, but it only made me more rebellious. When God is a waiting God, a waiting Father, someone who allows us to do what we want us to do, and when we get to the very bottom of the barrel and we're eating the pig's food and we realize that God's way is really the better way, then we come home and he waits for us and throws his gown around us and he says, I'll give you the ring so that you can do now whatever you want to do. Isn't that an amazing God? So um, I praise God that that's what his wrath is all about, that he doesn't punish us just because he says sin means that you're going to die. That's not what it's about. Sin is not something, but rather it is that broken relationship, that broken trust. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for that wonderful love you've given to us. And I even thank you today for your wrath, as it is explained in Romans, for it allows us the freedom to do what we want to do. And I pray that we all today will choose you and um, that everything that we do will magnify your character and that others will see you and us, because then you will be vindicated, then you will be shown that you are all good and all-knowing.